Hello and welcome to another edition of our Midweek Short Show, where I bring you highlights from history with facts you may not have known. I'm Jonathan Foster. Remember, you can find a variety of history books by visiting ArcadiaPublishing.com. And with the holidays coming up, what better gift to give than the gift of history? The Marines waited to shore, ready for a fight and to secure their objective. Their commander held them just beyond the fire of the enemy's artillery. An enemy officer approached the Marines after a bit of time to ask them their purpose, and Captain Nicholas, commanding the Marines, let him know that they were there for gunpowder and would not pillage the town. The commander of the fort surrendered it and retreated to the nearby town. The U.S. Marines had attained their objective without firing a shot. Now the next objective, obtaining powder for the fledgling Continental Army. No, this was not an amphibious landing in the Pacific in World War II, but it was the first amphibious landing of the U.S. Marines, and it took place against the British when they captured Fort Montague on New Province Island in the Bahamas during the Revolutionary War. The majority of the powder the Continentals sorely needed was not at the fort, and the governor of the Bahamas had the majority of the powder packed on ships while the Americans camped overnight at the fort and had sent them to the then-British colony of Florida. When the Marines discovered what Governor Brown had done, they arrested him and put him aboard the Alfred, one of the ships that had carried them to the Bahamas. For good measure, they also raided his liquor cabinets, surely just looking for any excess powder. Forty barrels of powder were secured along with several dozen pieces of artillery. All of this the Marines did, after only being created four months before, on November 10, 1775. Happy birthday to the Marine Corps. The military man was finally coming home. After years in a foreign country, he was once more among his countrymen. And what a homecoming it was. As a ship sailed up the Potomac River to Washington, D.C., military salutes were fired along the shore. Domestic and international dignitaries were awaiting his arrival. He was taken to the Capitol building where President and Mrs. Harding came to pay their respects to the heroic man. The First Lady had even made a white band of ribbon for him herself. Two days later... A three-hour parade took him to the former home of another military man that was just across the river from Washington, D.C. A crowd was there waiting for him. This hero who represented so many heroes to so many people arrived to an awaiting crowd of 5,000 people. The crowd was not there to say hello. They were there to say goodbye and to remember. And the parade earlier was not a happy parade, but a solemn occasion. The military salutes were not only for him, but for all of those he represented. He had come home to his nation, but his name was unknown. But he was known by actions of giving up his life for his country and fellow soldiers. He was known by the wives, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, and friends who had lost someone to the war that was supposed to end all the wars. He was known as one of the missing occupants of a chair at a family's holiday table. He is the unknown soldier who represents those who are known and are still remembered. He was laid to rest on November 11, 1921, three years after the end of World War I, during the dedication of the tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington Cemetery. On November 13, 1789, Benjamin Franklin sat down to write a note. He was a bit worried as he put pen to paper. He had not heard from Jean-Baptiste Leroy, a French scientist and an acquaintance of Franklin since the start of that country's revolution. He asked about the man's health and the state of things in France. Franklin would relate his health, saying he was growing thinner and weaker, and that he did not expect to hold out much longer. 
In fact, just over five months later, he would pass into legend. Franklin, however, had one last gem of a quote to pass on. The man who had given the world quotes such as, He that lies down with dogs shall rise up with fleas. Better slip with foot than tongue. There never was a good war or a bad peace. Well done is better than well said. A right heart exceeds all. And a true friend is the best possession. Would give us one last great quote. While writing to Leroy about the Constitution that had just been adopted the previous year, Franklin had this to say. Our new Constitution is now established. Everything seems to promise it will be durable. But in this world, nothing is certain except death and taxes. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>